We could become consultants for Team Spirit because people would nice. want to know how to get what we have. <laughs> <laughs> They've been in business for seven years and they still don't know what they're doing. I guess a podcast seemed natural. Here's Founder Quest. Oh, wow. That's so amazing. Because I, I love the Christmas specials from like Garfield and Peanuts, you know? And so I'm just yeah. thinking of a Honey Badger animated Christmas special. That would be so awesome. Founder Quest. That would be fun. Christmas special. I don't know. The, the Founder Quest Christmas special might end up like the animated <laughs> Star Trek series, right? It might be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We're all in character. So what? But it's like, <laughs> it's like bad cosplay. <laughs> what would the moral of the Honey Badger Christmas special be? Would it be that it's not about the errors you fix. It's about the friends you make along the way. Yeah, it could be. I like that. Okay, well, that's good. Speaking of cosplay, so I got a random package delivered to me, to my name, from Amazon. And I order a lot of stuff from Amazon, so I assumed I'd just forgotten that I ordered something. So I checked, and that's not it. And I opened it up, and it's like the, the name on the bag inside is like such and such cosplay. And so like this is going in a very bad direction. I'm not sure I want to open this, but I think somebody it's like one of, I don't know, one of our relatives or some family member had maybe sent a costume for my, my daughter or something. Mm -hmm. And just, it's a time of year that packages just randomly show up and you're like, well, I don't know who this is from, but <laughs> it's got some kid stuff in it. So yeah, we, we have that same package problem, the Amazon thing, because we do a lot of Amazon ordering. And so, you know, packages around this time of year start showing up and you're like, oh, I guess that was a present I shouldn't have opened. Sorry. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you open, you open, oh, present, yeah, you open the Amazon packages that aren't, aren't, aren't addressed to you, Ben? No, not all the time. Just, every just on again. Christmas. That's true. <laughs> just around Christmas. One year. Time. Just around Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> One year we did Christmas at my in-laws. And so we shipped everybody's packages there. And we put like their name on it because it's where they live and everything. And but I guess there was some miscommunication because my father-in-law was just start started opening everything and he assumed that it was all presents for him. <laughs> and so he was like thanking us and it's like, I, no, actually, that's for my brother. That's not for you. <laughs> I could totally see that happening. <laughs> One of the benefits, though, of being in charge of the uh, Honey Badger official post office box is that I get to also use that for my Christmas deliveries. So. Oh. All my Amazon shopping shows up oh, there. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that's sneaky. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. So, what are we talking about today? Talking about the big rewrite. The big rewrite. So, I guess for I guess we should explain what a big rewrite is. Unless, like, programmers know this, right? There's this idea that like you build something, you build a, a product, an application, and like you don't really know how to build it until you've already built it, right? Until then, you're just kind of learning along the way, like what are the best approaches to take on things. And so then like once you get it done, you actually know how to build it. And so like there's always this really big temptation. It's like, oh, I just want to like build it for real now and learning all the lessons, you know, taking into account all the lessons I already learned. So, yeah, I mean, that's my take on the big rewrite. What, what, what does a big rewrite mean to y'all? Well, you know, that actually made me think of, you know, there's a, actually a development approach called, you know, you build one to throw it away where people, mm -hmm. you know, in the early stages will build just a prototype, right? And we, we are with the intent that we're going to throw it away. But that's not the same as a big rewrite. I think the, the big rewrite happens when, you know, you've, you've built this thing over time and it works and it's been working and it's making money. But now you look back, you're like, ah, I really wish we could redo that whole thing. Yeah. Do you like start noticing all the things that you could have done better? You could go back, you make decisions throughout the process of writing it 
that uh, lock you into certain things or past decisions lock you into things now. And pretty soon you find yourself basically architecting for this legacy system where like that happened to me this week when I was working on this feature and I probably would have built it a different way if I could, if I was starting from scratch, but I had to basically bolt it on to what we already had. So the past decisions were influencing how I have to build stuff now, which makes you want to go and throw it all out. That's an interesting take on it too, because yeah, you're right. Like when you find yourself building something and sort of having to do it in a less than optimal manner, because it has to sort of, you have to shoehorn into this existing product. It's like you're working for your past self. Yeah. That's better than I think this, the sometimes is the cause of the big rewrite desire. And that's, I just wanted to write it in a new programming language, right? Yeah, that's, I don't like, (laughs) I don't like that old language. Yeah. I want to do something new. Yeah. We are redoing everything in React, though. <laughs> yeah. Just, just to let, no, that's even that's even the back end. Even the back end. Yeah. You know, but even I don't know how to, how we do that, but I'm sure that like Mozilla Foundation is working on it right now. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they just replaced all the UI with web components. Actually, kind of just to do that pretty well. So this was kind of a spur of the moment topic. I remember I I logged on to chat, and usually the way this works is that the morning we record the podcast, I go into chat, and I'm like, hey, everybody, let's. Think of what we want to do. Here's some ideas and like what topic we want to record about. But, you know, I, I came into chat today and it's like it was already there was this discussion going on. So that saved me some work. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> uh, I assume there was something that that triggered this for, for you all. Like what's so what's going on? This is this is something that Ben and I have been chatting about this week on and off as we've been trying to like solve this. This bug that came up as a result of some performance improvements we made a few months back to um, a system. It's to our uh, source maps processing system, or or we call it the source map service, which is basically the, it translates minified, you bundle your JavaScript and stuff for production. Source maps translate that back into the original source information so that you know where the error happened in your stack trace, in your actual code, your original source code. Otherwise, the Honey Badger error would be like, Error in line one of yeah. your one line file. Yeah, like line, line one column, like a hundred thousand you know, something. <laughs> so basically, like we made, we had to make some performance improvements to the service to fix a performance issue, and that introduced a new problem that we had to fix then, which we realized this week. And in the process of like fixing it, it was a very simple thing. Like it should have been a very simple change. But just the, um, the complexity of like the whole processing pipeline and everything and, and some of the legacy, you know, like I was talking about the legacy decisions we've made, that was definitely in play, like influencing how that was implemented. And it took a lot longer than it should have basically ate my week. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's yeah, this was, it's okay. This was coincidentally, you know, at the same time that the, the Amazon Web Services reInvent conference was going on. And I always pay attention to that because there are typically new things that you know, come out that we could use or that are just, you know, interesting because like I geek out on that sort of thing. And there were some new announcements that like, oh, we could do what we do this new way instead of that old way using this mm-hmm. new thing that just came out. Right. And so, and then, uh, yeah, Josh and I were talking it was about like, it. Was like, oh yeah, let's just, let's just <laughs> it was the perfect, the it was the perfect storm. Cause we're already right. frustrated with our, <laughs> our like past developer selves, like shooting ourselves in the foot and stuff. And then, and then Amazon announces all this cool new stuff that we could use to put the world right again. I don't know. I've got this little theory developing and you guys can tell me if, if it makes sense to you. So 
When you first start developing a product, you go in with necessarily a very simplified idea of what it's going to work like, right? Because you don't really know. You don't really have a ton of experience in that domain. And so you go in and you start with a very simple version. And then over time, you learn all these little sort of edge cases and nuances. And then you have to refine your application to uh, take care of those. And I don't know about y'all, but for me, over time, I tend to, if I'm not continually just like focusing just on a single system, I forget about all those little edge cases and nuances and stuff. And so my understanding of the system or my, my feeling about how it should work goes back to the original way, which oh is my just gosh, like it yes. should be this simple, this simple thing. And so I have a feeling that if I was, if, you know, anybody is to go back and reopen that and be like, okay, well, well, you know, I'm going to make it the simple thing. It's like, you're just going to run smack dab into all the complexity that you <laughs> forgot about. I've done this with things, yeah, where, where I have to like rebuild it for whatever reason, even small, co smaller components. And yeah, I find myself going through all the same things. I, it's like deja vu. Yeah. It's like, oh, I should be able to, this is like, what, this is a hundred yeah. lines of code. I should be able to get this down to 10 easy. Then you go through and it's like, oh, I can't take that out. Yeah. No, that, that actually does something. Oh, huh. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I rebuilt the gem, code. I think I, uh, that's what I'm recalling is like when I rebuilt the gem, I kind of started from the ground up thinking like, you know, it would be worthwhile to start from scratch and rethink, rethink things. And I mean, it was, a, I think it, it had benefits too, but definitely like you find yourself going through the same, going through the motions, running into the same common issues, then finding the less common ones later on as, as they come out. It's kind of like when you have your second child. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I got this. I'm, I'm a pro at this now. I can just knock it out. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you've forgotten like, all those things that happened with that. Oh my gosh. I've got, I've, got a, I've got a second child and I still have the first one. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't have a second child. <laughs> that scares me. It scares me too much. Yeah, also, I'll, yeah, my child is a freaking like, hurricane as it is i don't like i don't know if i could handle another hurricane yeah yeah i just seems opinionated oh my but, goodness yes yeah. when you do that big rewrite you definitely risk run the risk of missing those corner cases and those little gotchas you know that were in the original system that were have been covered and and working well right and i, I like that phrase someone said that legacy code just means code that actually makes you money Right, it's, it's out right. there, oh, yeah. it's working, it's good, uh, you know. And then when you build all this new code, now you're introducing bugs that, you know, your forebears solved uh, eons ago. Yeah, well, that's that's like the thing like, with our, with the pipeline specifically too in our system, like that's the thing that like, it doesn't change very often because it's, you know, we've built it, it's stable. Error tracking doesn't change a whole lot. Like you're processing the data, so. We might add features around what you can do with the data in the UI or something, but the pipeline like is pretty, it's like, we never have an issue with it really at this point. And so like, why would we risk setting ourselves back like six years back to when it was like, you know, we were constantly finding things and, you know, patching it. So the thing you were saying, Ben, seems really interesting to me because like legacy code is this pejorative term, right? It's like, oh, I hate dealing with this stupid legacy code, but if it wasn't actually valuable and doing useful stuff you could just throw it away and nobody would care right right so mm -hmm. so like the fact that it exists and you have to like work around it means it's actually useful right you have to you have to honor that legacy code you have to appreciate the joy that it has brought 
to the world, yeah. to your life, you know, before oh, you visit this. Right? And respect the lessons that it embodies. Yeah. I like this. We could get like a whole like KonMari, like tidying up thing going on. It's like before you refactor a line of code, before you Ooh. delete it, you have to thank it for the service it's given you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I, <laughs> I like this. I like where we're going with this. Totally. You know, but at some point you do realize, you know what, there is enough pain in my life with this legacy code that it's worth the pain of doing the rewrite. That's a really tough call to make fraught with peril. But yeah, at some point you might make it. There's trade-offs and or, you know, it might, it might also just not be the pain, but is there, you know, is there a financial insight? Like could rewriting it actually like, could it change things for your business or would it, you know, would it make it easier for us to go out and, you know, scale to the next whatever 10x size that we could or something like that. Like that would be huge. I'm not saying that's the case, but you know, you, you never know. You know, since you mentioned the big rewrite is, is analogous to having a second child, I'm wondering if all this other stuff you're saying also applies to your children. Oh dear. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh. you're not doing it. Like you got to help us scale, son. <laughs> we're we're going to go. Yeah, we're going to go through this, this episode like minute by minute in and pull out all the lessons that we can apply to, to child rearing. There you go. There you go. You're going to help us penetrate the enterprise market, little Timmy. <laughs> yeah. I think in our case, the, the big rewrite that we've always envisioned is you know, changing the pipeline, like how it works. And the idea being, we want something that can scale bigger than we've ever scaled before, and that can be more reliable than we've ever been before. I think those, to me, are the two main criteria. Mm-hmm. And it's tough because our current system scales really well and has been very reliable. You know, so we have these like daydreams of, oh, it'd be nice if it could do X, Y, and Z, or if it scaled like this without any, you know, intervention at all, you know. But, and the fact of the matter is that it does yeah. work really well. So it makes it really hard to justify doing a rewrite. I don't know if we'd rewrite everything, at least initially anyway, but in the case of like the pipeline, the big reason that I would see that we might consider it would be if, if we're finding ourselves making more like changes to it more frequently, like say we want to support a new, some kind of new processing feature, like what was the, uh, the Android thing you, you were talking about, like with sim. Yeah. What, the symbolication. Yeah. yeah. Symbolication. Which is, yeah, yeah. Which is like source maps. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that could be, it could be a good, so, maybe it doesn't require a big rewrite. Maybe, maybe it does because it is kind of central to how we fingerprint things and group things. You know, maybe that's something we could split out. There's different ways to build a system and like we've definitely tended towards like the monolithic approach. We've we're very small, we've always been very small and we've like really embraced that and done things. It's, you know, the rails way for the most part. There's like more, there's a stage we could build like a more like step pipeline, you know, basically that like allows you to bolt in new pieces into the middle easier. And that that's what's really difficult in the current system. If like we had specific plans where we knew we were going to be like doing a lot of development, like investing a lot of new work in features that are going to be affecting that part of the system, and that system is really resistant to change, we could pro- you know we could justify it's going to save us a lot of development time in the long run to you know basically refactor it in something that is more modular or something like that. Basically, it's just a refactor. But doing that. There's always a specter of risk, right? Because the dark cloud looming over the big rewrite. I just finished the Lord of the Rings trilogy, reading it for the first time ever, except for all that weird encyclopedia stuff at the back. I'm skipping that. Yeah. So I'm like imagining like Mount Doom and all this stuff. 
So to me, like the big rewrite looks a lot like Mount Doom and you're like trying to, mm-hmm. to climb up it or whatever. And my metaphor really breaks down pretty quickly. Yeah. Orcs are like rising out of the ground. Yeah, yeah. And what would the orcs be? Technical debt? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. So- <laughs> errors, errors. I don't- <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the big rewrite's scary because it, it can go like ter- it can go terribly wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. I had a, a, a big rewrite scenario several years ago where we were it came down to actually this is a language thing the system that we were replacing that we wanted to replace was built with Perl back when cgi pm was still a viable way to build web apps and php so, was on the rise so Perl is a programming language <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry that's me being catty um probably most people know what Perl is it's, it's a programming language that that people used to use a lot more yeah than it yeah and it you know, PHP started to eclipse Perl back in the early yeah. 2000s. Perl was my first programming language. Yeah, me too. Well, first, oh, really? wait, wait, wait. That was your first programming language? <laughs> oh, you yeah. poor Have child. I betrayed myself? <laughs> wow. You poor thing. <laughs> I was thinking Perl is my first web language, but wow, yeah. first programming language. Yeah. Well, I, like, I think like, yeah, I did like some OS type stuff, I guess, like Microsoft, like Visual Basic or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really count those though. Like, I don't know. Well, I guess it was. Yeah. I guess there were a few. The Honey Badger Health Plan does include therapy, Josh. So, you know, <laughs> in case trauma lasts a long time, is all I'm saying. So, yeah. We can't all have like started on COBOL. <laughs> oh. Oh, bird. Oh. <laughs> oh. Who started on COBOL? Is that Ben? <laughs> No, well, I, I, I don't basic, know. But I, but yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a dig at me. That's all right. I can take. Yeah, it. I started at basic too. <laughs> I'm ju- I'm just calling you guys old because you're like five years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right, millennial. It's <laughs> totally cool. No, no, as okay. a zenial, right? Zenial. Zenial. Oh, you're right. still a zenial. Zenial, like that. I learned recently that this is uh, there's a um, a micro generation or something like that between gen x and millennial and that is actually like what i think we fall into because you know how you always said like you don't really feel quite gen x and i'm like barely millennial well it turns out there actually is like people i guess felt that like more than us just felt that way and they came up with a um actual generation for us i i think i've heard about that it's like something about like you basically you grew up with the internet, but you didn't have it your entire life. You know what the, it, uh, it's called the, uh, the Oregon trail generation is what Wikipedia yes, said. I like and that right. That resonates. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely played Oregon trail. You ended up in Oregon. So you, won. <laughs> right. you literally won. I like Josh, literally IRL. followed. Yeah. It, <laughs> I ended up in Seattle. So somehow I, I, did like, not. <laughs> I just veered off, veered off course a little bit. Yeah. But none of us died of dysentery along the way. So that's, that's winning. I know, because we're so good at hunting for food with those little pixels. <laughs> right. The little pixel rifles. <laughs> yeah. That take about 10 seconds to cross the screen. So you have to like aim in front of the, aim in front of the deer so that it, you know, runs into right. your, <laughs> your little yeah. pixel bullet. I wish I could remember. There's a, you'll have to go look this up later because I can't remember the name of it. There's a generation between the baby boomers and Gen X and it's got a really funny name, but I can't remember what it is, but it's like the same thing. It's like the people, the in-between oh, people. So yeah, it's a whole so world of generations out there. This completely off topic. total tangent. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I'm going to go even farther off topic, <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, if you ever get a chance to go to the um, living computer museum in Seattle, they have all the, the old, old systems from 
from like throughout the entire history of computing, but they have a huge room full of systems from the 80s. And so you can go like play Oregon Trail on an Apple II. And if you bring a juice box, I bet you you can sort of surreptitiously sip it while you're doing that. So what were we even talking about? Oh, a a Pearl rewrites. Scary stuff. Anyway, the, yeah, the, where I was going with that, you know, rocking, oh, you're telling a story. I was, about I was telling, sorry. I was telling a rocking chair. Story. Sorry, Ben. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> I'm okay. sorry, Ben. This I'm all started. This all started with Pearl. <laughs> I'm just rocking in my chair over here. It's all good. Yeah, uh, let's wait. Let's wait for us kids to simmer down. <laughs> By the way, I totally identify with Gen X. I did play a lot of Oregon Trail, but I'm not going to claim the Oregon Trail generation because yeah. I do identify as Gen X. So. Yeah, I, I identify millennial, Ben. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's so. okay. That's <laughs> you know, all right. It takes all kinds. Okay. It's uh, the generation or the social cohort of the latter half of the baby boomers in the first years of the gen- of Generation X where it was called Generation Jones. Generation Jones. That yeah. is the... Why? That's Jonestown? I, you'll have to go read the Wikipedia page because I, I don't have... I don't remember enough to like oh, tell you off the it, top of my it, head. It's too saucy to say. Yeah, I, well, no, okay. it's just I don't remember things very well. So. <laughs> well, that'll be in the show notes so we can go look it up. Okay. Yeah. Generation Jones. Show notes. So, yeah, that story. I'll just skip the story and get to the punchline, which was like the, one of the big risks of the big rewrite is that it just takes forever because you don't remember all those corner cases or all those bugs or, you know, someone wants the new feature that you promised them while you're doing the big rewrite. And so you have to factor that in. And uh, so this one project that I had, which was just a mess, I, I just, I kept, and like the project manager kept coming to me and be like, so you promised me this on this date and we're past that date. So now what? And so I give him another date, right? And so we'd slip past that date too. And and finally, yeah. I just said, look, I'm planting my flag in the quicksand here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, because really, like every time I planted my flag, it just disappeared behind, you know, another deadline. So, yeah, uh, that's, just, that's, that's a there's big, a visual there. Risk. I just picture that. <laughs> that's yeah. great. But it totally wasn't your fault that you're missing the deadlines because people like it was you're dealing with these the quicksand situations, like the situation was changing so much. And you had, yeah, I don't know, you know, because I was the one giving the estimates. So. I'm trying to give you an out, Ben. Well, thanks, but I'll take it. I'll own it. That's own it, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Going down with the yeah. ship. I'll apologize to my coworkers that I did that to. Yeah, you got to be, you go. gotta be careful um, with wanting it so bad that you, you think you, could, you trick yourself into thinking that it's going to be you know, easier than it really is. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there's definitely like some denial you can get into there where... Totally. There we go. I'll take the sting out by saying something dumb I did one time, which was... <laughs> One time at the height of Facebook games popularity, I took down a popular Facebook game for like two hours. Because was it, was it Farmville? Like, no, oh, okay. it wasn't really that famous, but it still it had a lot of users. And nice. yeah, what it was is they had a really, a really stupid, oh God, maybe they're listening. They had a really, uh, they were really stretching the limits of Postgres and how they had their database set up. And they were like, oh, star, go make this changes to the database. And I was like, okay, I'll write a little script to migrate it. And I wrote it. And then it takes time to update a big, big database, people. Mm-hmm. It's not instantaneous. And I was a little baby programmer. I hadn't really learned that lesson yet. And also the way they were doing it made it so that it took like about a thousand times longer than it should have, like the way the database was set up. So... Yeah. So anyway, that's that's the most hate I've ever gotten from any sort of like user base is because I took away their <laughs> stupid little like magic game where they like, you know, cast spells on beans or something. Yeah. 
It's like those those people are vicious. It's rough. They were casting spells on you by the end of <laughs> that. By the end of oh, that no. outage. Oh no, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I stay away from consumer apps. <laughs> Fair. See, business apps, when they're paying you, at least they have a reason they can be yelling at you, right? It's like, oh, that's fair. You can yell at me because <laughs> you pay me. Yeah. And I never ran a database query again. So I learned my lesson. <laughs> Boom. To this day, never touch SQL ever again. I have never run it. No, no. <laughs> Not even for other people's apps. I don't, I don't use their databases. Yeah. But if, I mean, in that situation, again, if you're, if you're stretching the limits of what your technology can do to the point where you can't you know, deploy a change without risking taking the system down. Yeah, Again. it might be time for a big rewrite. <laughs> right. Let's have a Jeff Foxworthy like that. Uh, <laughs> might be time for rewrite if. Yeah. One thing that I thought was really interesting, a few years ago, DHH from Basecamp, he had a presentation at Business of Software Conference where he talked about the big rewrite and talked about why they would do a big rewrite. And he gave his justification for Basecamp 2 and Basecamp 3, which is now the current version of Basecamp, and basically said, I'm paraphrasing, that what they had wasn't what they wanted to present to the world as their best work. Like they felt they could do better. So Basecamp was out there and it was great, but then they kept having ideas on how it could be better. And those ideas didn't fit well into the existing Basecamp. And so Basecamp 2 was born. And then the same thing happened again with, with Basecamp 3. And they aren't exactly the same approach to the same problem, but they are the, the approach that they felt was the best at that time for the team mm -hmm. they had and for the lessons they had learned. And uh, I liked that idea. That really resonated with me. Like if the work that's out there right now isn't what you would consider your best work and you have ideas for what would be better, then you know, that could be a good reason for a, good, a big rewrite. Now, in, in Basecamp's case, what they did instead of like what a lot of people do with big rewrite, throw away the old thing and replace it with a new thing, they didn't do that. They kept the old thing running with the commitment that, you know, we will, quote, run it until the end of the internet, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I really like that approach. It's really, really good. Yeah, it seems pretty stand up. Yeah, also, man, they would have gotten so much hate mail. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Seriously. If they, just, if they just changed Basecamp, it's like you don't have any option to keep it. They would have gotten so much hate from people. Yeah. But, you know, the downside, the, the trade-off there is they're now running three production systems Right, they have to maintain those things. Uh, obviously, they're not adding new features to the old yeah. ones, right? They're doing that in the new one, but still, they have to keep those servers going and keep the customer support people trained on. You know, this is version sure one the way to do that yeah. versus version two so way to do that. Customer support, right? yeah, being. But but then again, like I think some of the benefits of the legacy system being harder to change in the first place, but the change is where usually the problems are introduced. Also, if you don't have new people coming into the software, the support load is reduced. If you're not signing up new customers, most of your, your support comes from new people. So, you know, there's not going to be as much support. It's going to be like the, the people that stay on that system long term are going to be like the diehards that love Basecamp 1 or the people that just don't care enough to switch off. You know, it's good enough. And in that case, they're probably not going to be the people that are bugging support a lot anyway. Then the, the system itself is, if it's been around for 10 years or something, it's going to be stable. I mean, if you're not changing it, you're not rocking the boat at all. So maybe, it, you know, it's not as hard to run at that point. I could see the argument there. And I yeah, can see, you know, really if that was point. in our case, like Honey Badger, if we did that with Honey Badger, like I could see it would, it's really stable now. Imagine if we never changed it. <laughs> we yeah. could run that for a long time. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. They could have big 
retention, like employee retention for programmers sort of effects. And yeah. I can imagine it's like nothing makes developers happy, happier than to be like, hey, let's do this like Greenfield project. Yep. Totally. Nothing makes me happier than that. For real. Let's do it. All right. So we're going to rewrite everything? <laughs> we'll see. Yes. V2 right. coming in January Pearl. 2020. Let's do it in Pearl. In it's, Pearl? Uh, back to our roots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they say the '90s are coming back, so yeah, we can all move to Portland. Maybe, uh, maybe Ben right. can write a couple components in Basic. <laughs> <laughs> Only if I get to use some Turbo Pascal. <laughs> That's my condition. Yeah, you can use whatever they, you want, Star. Then we could have an interface that you tell that into, like an old BBS, and you have to use like your arrow keys to go through yeah. things, and yeah, like an old ASCII, ANSI. We could have some like total art, you know, some ANSI art in there. That'd be fun. Oh my God, that's such a beautiful idea, Ben. That would rock. I'm sad. It's, I'm sad. It's not going to happen now. But oh, that's such a beautiful idea. We should definitely just open up a telnet port and do something. Totally. You know, like a, yeah, an Easter egg, like a BBS version of of the Honey Badger UI. Exactly. Yeah. You can have sort of like a a FidoNet sort of implementation of Honey Badger, where you have to like you get your errors like a week later because like people have been forwarding them. Or, yeah, yeah, you have to you have to download them all into your offline reader and, and do it there. And yeah. then like, you know, upload, or, yeah, upload your changes back. Or you could just log in and you could talk to Honey Badger kind of like what was the uh what was the uh that yeah, it was like the one of the first AI bots that was the uh the psych Lisa. psychologist. Lisa. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you come talk to Honey Badger if you're having a bad day. <laughs> That's a good idea. I mean, we could just have a support person on a phone and you could call in once a day and be like, hey, did I get any errors today? And I'll be like, <laughs> be like, no, honey, you're good. And I'll be like, all right, thanks. I can go skiing now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like all these great landing pages we could do for April Fool's, right? Yeah. Like, you know, ah. Yeah, we'll have to write these down. So are we, um, have we said everything we're going to say about rewrites? It sounds like we're reaching a natural conclusion. <laughs> yeah, I think you should yeah. totally do your big rewrite. Do it now. Yes. Or, or don't. I might, <laughs> or or might don't. I suggest, <laughs> might I suggest if you're going to do a big rewrite, like you got to start it out with some sort of dramatic gesture, right? Maybe fire a gun. <laughs> yeah. Maybe um, look somebody dead in the eye and say like, let's do this. Put out a yes. press, uh, maybe, press release. Yes, make sure you set a make firm a, deadline. Make a dramatic yeah, a dramatic statement of uh, mm-hmm. yeah, what you intend to do and when it's going to be. When it's going to be That's launched. a great idea. Yeah. How about pay? No, here's a yeah. good idea. This is free consulting for y'all. Pay a designer to come up with a, a like a video mock-up of exactly what it's going to look like. Yeah. And then, you know, I love it. Yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So guys, I think what we're saying here is that you got to plant your flag in the quicksand. Yeah. And I think there's a, with the help, there's like some YOLO in there too. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, it's been great talking with y'all. And oh, I've got to say, hey, if you're interested in writing technical articles for us about programming, check out our blog. There's a link in the top nav that tells you how to do that. Also, if you like this show, go to your podcast place and give it a bunch of stars. And that's it for Founder Quest. So see you guys later and talk to you soon. ThunderQuest is a weekly podcast by the founders of Honey Badger. Zero instrumentation, 360-degree coverage of errors, outages, and service degradations for your web apps. If you have a web app, you need it. Available at HoneyBadger.io. Want more from the founders? Go to FounderQuestPodcast.com. That's one word. You can access our huge back catalog 
or sign up for our newsletter to get exclusive VIP content. FounderQuest is available on iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of fine podcasts. We'll see you next week.